Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and today we will read um, about the stewardship of relationships, and uh, we've got, uh, we got a reading for us today up there? Not on there? Here it is. All right. Um, read together with me. This is uh, verses 16 to 20, and I'm still debating on how to go forward with 40 days of prayer and then the Ten Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer, and how all that works together. So pray for the preacher, okay? Pray for the preacher. Yes, indeed. Let us read God's Word together. I invite you to read along with me <clears throat> as we follow together. Ready? Begin. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The first half of the Ten Commandments concerns our relationship, a vertical relationship that we have with God. The second part, or half of our Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, concerns our relationship with each other. How we get along with God determines everything about how we get along with each other. And wasn't it fun over the July 4th holiday to be with your family? Y'all don't look like it was fun. <laughs> These are the people. <laughs> These are the people in your life that you had no choice in relating to. And yet you get together once in a while and celebrate family. I saw somebody go, eh. Well, I want to focus on verse 16 as we talk today about stewardship of relationships. And honestly today, this is my sugar stick sermon. Every preacher has a sugar stick sermon. It's his favorite one. And this seems to be a topic I've been studying for the last year in the classes I took at school and so forth. And so this is going to be fun. And I pray it's the word of the Lord more than anything else. I'm going to talk about two things today. I'm going to talk about common stresses in all relationships so that we are a steward of our relationships that we were either had no choice and you're born into your biological family or relationships that you have chosen. We are a church family and sometimes we act like family. We fuss, and we get along. I've never seen churches get along better than during COVID. Because you weren't all huddled up together here at the church house. You had to stay home, tend to your own business, and seek the Lord. Now that's spiritually healthy. It really is. 
So two of the common stresses that every relationship experiences are these two. You have it. I have it. Linda and I deal with it all the time. By the way, um, Miss Linda Lou has been retired now for how many days? Eleven days. Eleven days. And we're just doing so well together at the house for eleven days. Eleven days. We must be setting a record. Wait till winter comes. Every relationship, I don't care if it's your brother, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, neighbor next door, um, whoever, every relationship experiences, number one, anxiety. That is a common stress. Anxiety in a relationship. <clears throat> there is a desire, watch this, they, there is a desire to be together, to come together. We were made for relationships. God, that's the imago Dei or the image of God in all of us. We're built for relationships. Nothing else in God's creation was made for that kind of pulling together and relationships. And we enjoy that. But family and friends are like fish. After three days, what? Yeah, you know. So you start to kind of pull apart. There's a pullness together, and then there's a pullness apart. And it goes on all the time. It's also true in the animal world, but we won't talk about that. Let's just talk about the human world that God made you in His image. You can only stay together so long. And when there is anxiety and tension between the two of you, what is the first thing you do? You turn to the television and create a triangle because you're not ready to deal with each other. There's some stress and anxiety between you. And so you turn to the TV. Or you turn to anything else. Your children. Or you turn to the church. And so these triangles go everywhere. Because it helps us to get along in this pull together sense. But everybody can only stay together so long. You see it all throughout the Bible particularly in the New Testament. There was the church hurdle, huddle rather, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. The Bible says all those who believed were together, together, the church was together, and they had all things in common. And a lot of people say, that's what we want in our church. No, you don't. Because by Acts chapter 6, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And that's how we got deacons. To take care of the complaints in the church. So there is this desire to come together. I remember when we came back together, after, you know, we are in post-COVID. I hope we can stay in post-COVID, but it was so good to get back together here in church. I heard you talking about getting the hug again, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, and then that's good for a while. But it's never been the intention of the Lord for us to huddle together all the time. We need to be going out. If you use the football illustration, it's the huddle 
to, to, to encourage each other and plan the next strategy and then go out and whip on the devil by telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus had to leave his disciples and his multitudes and the religious I-know-it-alls and go spend time with his Father. It is common. Anxiety in relationships is a common stressor. We saw it at Crossings Camp. There was time to be together and then there was a time to be apart. Because you just, there's a tension and anxiety in all relationships. Alright, so anxiety is one of those common stressors. A second common stressor I call dealing with sandpaper people. That's another word for conflict. A common stressor is conflict in relationships. That word, sandpaper people, is the title of a book I highly recommend by an author that Linda and I met at the Shepherding the Shepherd Conference sponsored by the Kentucky Baptist Convention every February. Mary Sutherland writes a book called Sandpaper People Dealing with the Ones Who Rub You the Wrong Way. Don't be, uh, don't be pointing. No, just don't point this morning. No, I'm not going to do that. Who are the people that rub you? Don't point. Who are the people in your life that rub you the wrong way? They're called sandpaper people. Question, are you learning anything about yourself when you are around your sandpaper person? Not what's wrong with them. What am I learning about myself? One of the greatest opportunities that God brings into your life spiritually are those experiences at work, school, church, your home, wherever you live, that you have to get along in that cubicle with a sandpaper person. I had a chaplain that I worked with at Scott Air Force Base. I left a year early and went to Colorado to work at U.S. Northern Command out there. And this guy and I just could not, he was my sandpaper supervisor. He wrote my evaluation. Mm. And he was sandpaper from head to toe. <clears throat> if I had just hung on, Don, six more months, the brass in the Air Force couldn't stand him either, and they fired him. I had a problem trying to deal with a sandpaper person that I worked with. Folks, this is common in all relationships. So when the scripture says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, some of you can say, I really can't honor my father and my mother. They abused me, they abandoned me, they went off and they left me. One of the students who was a college student from Cedarville University at Crossings this time shared his personal testimony with me growing up in New Jersey 
and um, received into other homes because his family could not take care of him. And he found Jesus. And he found a new father. And he committed himself to the Heavenly Father. And that journey of following the Heavenly Father brought him to a Christian university where 4,000 students will be gathered for chapel every day of the week. 50% of those students will have out their Bible and their notebook. And he is a freshman and worship leader that you saw in our group. You students that went know who I'm talking about, played the guitar. And to hear his story, he would say to you, I've come to learn that the Christian life is like a, um, I want to say hothouse, but like a greenhouse. Christian life is like a greenhouse. If you love the Lord, you can't help but grow. When you love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, you can't help but grow. Wow. So there are two common stressors in all relationships. And Jesus is calling us to be stewards, to manage well, that's what stewardship means, to manage well this anxiety of togetherness and separateness. It's just going on all the time in all your relationships. You know, when you first fell in love, you just had to be together all the time. And then you got married and somebody's got to wash the dishes and somebody's got to take out the garbage and somebody's got to uh, do this and do that. And then first thing you know, I'll tell you a great triangle. This is the healthiest triangle you'll have in your life in any relationship. There's you, there's the other person, and here's the Lord Jesus Christ. See that triangle? That's the best triangle you can have in your life, in your relationship with other people. And each of you, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, His love will fill you up so you'll learn how to love each, better, each other much, much better. And that's what I want to talk about today, which leads me to number two, courageous steps that Jesus offers. Some courageous steps that Jesus offers. Step number one. Rest daily as a spiritual exercise. What did I talk about last Sunday? I talked about the Sabbath. God has given you the right to rest. It's a command in the Old Testament book. Jesus said, I'm your rest. I'm your Sabbath. If you have a relationship with me, I will teach you how to find peace and rest and fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Not just on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, but every day. And that's why we worship on the first day of the week, because Jesus was raised from the dead, and He is Lord of the Sabbath every day of our life. You have the right to rest. And Jesus invites you and me to rest in Him every day. Let me share with you some thoughts about some spiritual exercises 
that you can do to bring the Holy Spirit present rest in you. One is the song that we sang this morning. This is the air I breathe. Taking a deep breath is receiving the Holy Spirit's presence, a reminder of receiving the Holy Spirit's presence and letting it out, bringing it in and letting him out. I said it, excuse me, Lord. The Holy Spirit's not a it, it's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So take a deep breath during the day somewhere, at your desk, in your tractor, while you're mowing the lawn, at night as you're trying to sleep, in the afternoon. Take five minutes of deep breathing and when you breathe in, it reminds you that the Holy Spirit of God is living in you and you are refocusing upon His presence. The Bible says, let every thought be taken captive for Christ. And if you will experience a five or ten minute um, time of prayer every day, He'll help you, He'll keep you from saying dumb things like I do from the pulpit. I didn't breathe well that day. Ask yourself as you're breathing, what happened to me today that brought life into my soul? What happened to me today that brought life into my soul? And then ask yourself, what happened to me today that's taken life away from my soul? What have I been exposed to that has robbed me of life and joy? Jesus said the thief, now we're getting into 40 days of prayer, and I'm excited about it, but let me tell you, we're going to do business with the devil. He doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to commune with the Father, and, he's going to, and that's why I'm preaching on this this morning. He's going to do everything in your life to stop you from praying, to stop you from spending quiet time with the Lord. He's going to throw all kinds of monkey wrenches in your way. So as you think about the words of Jesus, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the devil wants to do to your soul and your life. But I came that you might have life much more abundantly. Those are compound words of the abundant life. So daily rest as a spiritual exercise centers your soul, your thoughts, not your feeling brain, but with your thinking brain, and you're recentered again and thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And step number two, you can move on to praise and worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly means with everything you have. Jesus said, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The psalmist said, the Lord is near to those who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him faithfully. There's never a bad time to call upon the Lord. And it's even better to be faithful calling on the Lord. There's a preacher out there that has a quote that struck me this week. I have this... Uh, Bible that one of my members gave me. It's a work called a worship Bible. 
I just opened it up, and there's this quote God gave me. And the reverend said, listen to this, listen. The Father is looking for worshipers. So if you are looking for God, and you just can't seem to find Him, then stop what you're doing and praise Him. And He will come and find you. The Father is looking for worshipers. So if you're looking for God in your situation and what's going on, Lord, call out to the Lord. And boy, the psalmist says it over and again. Where are you, Lord? Why are you silent? This is going on. That's going on in my life. Lord, where are you? Turn off all those questions. Get out your favorite song playlist that leads you into praise and worship of the Lord. What a friend we have. No, that's a funeral song. Let's go to something else. Um, Whatever that song is. We sang it the other day. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And the Bible says in Psalms that God dwells upon the people who worship him. I like praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, da 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 Here I go driving down the highway. And the guy next door to me is going, what? What's wrong with you? Well, I'm having a Jesus moment, okay? So praise the Lord wholeheartedly. Get it out of your correcting brain, self-correcting brain. You know, who is the person that talks to you the most? You are. (laughs) And your brain is trying to criticize you. The devil's trying to make you think that way. And the Lord God is trying to say to you, I love you, I love you, let's go together. I love you, I love you, let's go together. Let's work together. Come on. I love you. I love you. Let's go together. Whatever it takes to empty your brain and soul and bawl and squall like Linda and I did when we went to crossings this year because our son Daniel did the things that those college students did. He was the program director for Centrifuge and huge camps and all of those. We call them Dan Days. And we've got to turn Dan Days of grief also into praise that he is with the Lord. And then we get kind of sad because we're not there yet. Number three. Now just hang on with me. Can you give me five more minutes? If you can give me five more minutes, shake your head like this. If anybody needs to restore their levels of comfort, there's a men's room and a ladies' room. I'm serious. Can you give me five minutes? Because I'm going to talk now about learning from encounters that nurture our spiritual growth. That's step number three. Learning from encounters that nurture our spiritual growth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth she will set you free. So what can you learn from those sandpaper people? Well... God uses sandpaper people to transform us, me, 
into the image of Christ. Jesus dealt with a lot of sandpaper people. He called one of them to be his apostle and follow with him. And the Bible says he was a, a thief from the very first time he was invited to follow Jesus. God also uses sandpaper people to help us see what we have not seen or don't want to see about ourselves. God uses sandpaper people to hold a mirror up. And one of the reasons they're your sandpaper... Hang on to this. You're not going to like this, but I'm your pastor and I love you. I'm going to tell you this about yourself. No, I've learned this about myself. I apologize. The sandpaper people in my life are the people that I'm kind of like that. And I see myself in what I don't want to see in them. I have come to learn. Hang on to this one. I am somebody's sandpaper person. <gasps> How can that be? I'm a man of God. I preach sermons. And I found after I left that church who those who I was a sandpaper person too. Anytime you leave a church, there's some people that are mad, and some are glad, and some are sad. And the sandpaper people were just glad. <laughs> I am somebody else's sandpaper person. Wow. Well, according to Romans 5, verse 3 and following, as the young man from Cedarville University said, Christian life is like a greenhouse. You can't help but grow. So learn, <coughs> learn from sandpaper people and hang out with loving people. That's not people who agree with you every time. The Bible says loving people speak truth like God does. 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices in the truth. What is the truth? Loving people will speak the truth to you in love. They will. Number two, loving people that you hang out with show respect like God does. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, Love is not arrogant or rude, and it does not insist on its own way. Loving people show respect like God does. And number three, loving people keep covenant with one another like God keeps covenant with us. A covenant is called accountability. Romans 12, 5 says, Each member in the church belongs to all the others. In conclusion, during the next 40 days, Christian, do you really want to walk closer to Jesus? Paul 
had his thorn in the flesh, prayed three times, God take it out. I got mine. Seen the surgeon three times, and she ain't taking it out. Humbling experience. And then Paul said, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. This is in Philippians. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Woo! Who doesn't want to know that? And the fellowship of his suffering. It's not either or living. It's both and. It's yes and. As you desire to walk closer to Jesus. It's kind of dangerous the next 40 days for a church to say that we're going to spend 40 days in prayer. Let us be faithful to pray one for another. So, my question today is, as we close, number one, have you taken the first step of faith to be saved and start your journey with Jesus? If today's that day, when we sing this song in a minute, I just want you to come be seated on this front row. If today you're willing, and I just felt led of the Lord this morning, and I'm, I know it's kind of cluttered up here, but if some of y'all just want to come up here and kneel and pray, not to showboat, but just come on and pray, you just come on. It's okay. May help somebody come and get saved. Who knows? Bow your heads in prayer with me, please. Father God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit calls us into closer fellowship with you. Your Holy Spirit covers us as we walk under the mercy of God. Thank you that we can start over every day under the mercies of Almighty God. I pray, O oh Lord, for whoever that is that you've put into their heart to be saved today. They will come in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, take charge of this hour and this moment. Be truly Lord in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You, too, can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.